satisfied with just the cottage below a little silver and a little gold but in that city where the red sun will shine I want a gold one a silver I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wander, but walk the streets at our purest gold. tempted, tormented and tested, and like the prophet, my pillow a stone, and though I find here no permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me a match my own. I've got a just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old and someday yonder we will never more wander but walk the streets at our purest gold don't think me poor or desert or lonely I'm not discouraged I'm heaven bound I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city I want a mansion a harp and a crown I've got a just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old and someday yonder we will never more wander but walk the streets at our purest I'd like to welcome you all in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this day. As I walked into the sanctuary, I felt the Spirit of God, and I hope you're feeling it too. I'm going to introduce the brethren that I have up front. The invocation will be given by Priest Harold Sharkey, Offertory Deacon Jim Peck, um, the benediction will be given by Elder Jim Schimmel, and the spoken word today will be given by Elder Steve Wiley. And so, it's Willie, sorry. So I ask that you would give your kind attention. I hope that you prepared yourself for today. The Lord is ready for you. I hope you're ready for Him. Three weeks ago, I went and looked up the scripture for the call to worship, and my name is Elder Russ Copas, is presiding. Three, three weeks ago, I looked up the scripture for the call to worship, and then today they used it in Sunday school. But we're going to go through it again, and uh, hopefully you have a greater understanding of what it is talking about. We go to Isaiah, the sixth chapter, the fifth through the eighth verses. And it says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. 
And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who am I? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. I hope those that uh, were not in the class understand that we as a people, the Lord has called us forth. And He wants us to go forth. And He wants us to stand and to say, Here am I, Lord, send me. And so I hope this service today brings you closer to your Heavenly Father so that your willingness to serve will increase. May the Lord be with us and watch over us this hour. We're going to sing hymn number 369. It's one that you all find very familiar. So 369. Would you please turn to 369. Gracious Heavenly Father, again we have gathered this day in your house, seeking your spirit to be among us. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would, we would find favor with you, that you would send your spirit to touch the hearts and minds of each who have gathered this day, that indeed they would be receptive 
to that message that our brother Steve will present and bring to us that you have placed upon his heart. We thank you for this opportunity once more to come and to share in this experience. We pray that you'd always be with us to guide us in our lives and in our walk of life. That everything that we do and say would be would bring honor and glory and praise to you, Father. So we ask once more and invite your spirit to be among us. And I ask these blessings and favor in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. that we give I'd like to read for a scripture lesson today from section 105, paragraphs 9, 10, and 11. I'd like to preface that by saying my oldest son, who is, uh, will be 50 this fall, when he was about three or four, or even younger, we loved to take him for a little ride. Seems like that was the only way we could get him to go to sleep. So we took this ride daily in the evening. And we found ourselves up by the temple lot in Independence. Many nights following 
about 10 to 15 nights in a row. And we saw this tree that was a stump about 7 or 8 feet tall burn from the inside out. We watched the smoke go up to heaven until it became a pile of ashes over that period of time. Verily, verily, I say unto you, darkness covereth the earth, and gross darkness the minds of the people, and all flesh has become corrupt before my face. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. As a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And think about what I've just said when I read this verse. And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. Therefore see to it that ye trouble not yourselves concerning the affairs of my church in this place, saith the Lord, but purify your hearts before me, and then go ye into all the world and preach my gospel unto every creature who has not received it. walks 
with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever Thank you, Brother Bill. I appreciate the ministry of music this morning. Sister Sherilyn, it's good to see you back. We've been praying for you. You know, the ministry of music can make or break a service, as you've heard me say before. So thank you, Bill and Sherilyn. My heart goes out to those people who have talents that the Lord's given them and that they share those talents with the Lord's people. You heard me refer to uh, the temple lot, which is still in existence, that little 2.67 acres up there. That little parcel of land versus um, parcels uh, 15 through 22. I want to speak about that just for a few moments, if we could. And as a boy, I remember at the conference time we were up there at the auditorium. And boys and girls were throwing the football and throwing the frisbee on that temple lot. And we said, Mom, can we do that? Can we just, tomorrow, can we come up here and play football and throw the frisbee? No, you may not, was the answer. That is sacred ground. Oh, but Mom, all the other kids are doing it. Can't we just do that? They're just having fellowship. No, you may not. That is sacred and holy ground. After careful scrutinizing all the findings of fact in both the Kirtland temple case and the temple lot case, the decision of each of the courts ruled that the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the true and lawful continuation of and successor of the original church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints organized by Joseph Smith, Jr., on April 6, 1830. So then, that begs the question, who owns it? Why don't we own it? If we're the true successor. In 1891, the same question of legitimate continuation and succession between the reorganized church and the Utah church came before federal court, federal district court of Judge John F. Phillips. At Kansas City, Missouri, the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints filed a suit against the Church of Christ to declare a trust to certain real estate known as the temple lot. And everybody knew what parcel of land they were talking about. A two and one half acre tract located in Independence, Missouri. Many of the witnesses who testified through trial had been living when the church was organized and had personally known Joseph Jr., the founder of the church, 
The decision of the federal court rendered by Judge Phillips was based upon the rights of the reorganized church according to the principle of legitimate continuation and succession. Judge Phillips' final decree was that the title to the temple lot property and possession be awarded the reorganized church. He stated that the rights of ownership abides with that faction, great or small, which is favor in the government of the church in operation with which it was connected at the time the trust was declared. Following the decision, the Church of Christ appealed the matter to a higher court, the Supreme Court, on the grounds of appeal alleging that the RLDS Church had waited too long to press its claims. This was reorganized by the Circuit Court of Appeals, was recognized by the Circuit Court of Appeals in 1896 as a valid objection. And under the equity doctrine of latches, L-A-C-H-E-S, which means negligent delay, the decision of Judge Phillips was reversed. If it had not been for this delay in making claim, possession would have been granted to the reorganized church. It should be further noted that although the Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the question of land claim, it did not change Judge Phillips' decision as to legitimate continuation and succession. Nor did it disturb any of the findings of fact supporting his decision on the matter. Therefore, this trial still stands on the merits of legitimate continuation and succession between the two churches in favor of the reorganized church. You know, there's a difference between uh, the doctrine of latches and the statutes of limitations. You see, the statutes of limitations is a definitive time limit set by law in which an individual may make a claim. That's pretty well widely recognized. But the doctrine of latches, however, is not, if I may say so. Latches is case-specific and relies on the judge's decision as to whether a plaintiff waited too long and the defendant can't put together a reasonable defense because of their inaction. Why all the fuss over this little parcel of land? The elders who traveled over 800 miles from Kirtland to come here dedicated, they walked in the snow to dedicate that spot, that sacred spot, if you will. They walked here. That's amazing to me, brothers and sisters. How do you get a uh, quit, quit claim deed? You've heard of that. And this is how many deeds were given to people who applied for them via quit claim method. Well, how does that happen? And you can do this today. All you have to do 
is fill out the form, which takes about five minutes, literally. Sign the deed with two witnesses. Record the deed at the county comptroller's office. The Temple Lot people did this. And there were over eight deeds, people that wanted this little parcel of land, eight deeds of which we know of. The Temple Lot people completely disregarded the fact that Martin Harris had the deed, the original deed, but he was in Kirtland. And as the saints were driven out, etc., he went to Kirtland, lived there quite a while. He was going to come back when the saints returned from out west in Utah. But those saints didn't return from Utah. I know it's hard to uh, communicate back then. I know it was hard. You just couldn't get on your phone and text somebody or call them. But still, they completely regarded who actually had ownership of the temple lot deed. Martin Harris was a member of the church at the time that all this stuff was taking place. See, different lawyers could get rich off of these quit claim deeds. All they had to do was do what we talked about just a moment ago. Apply for a quick claim deed. At the time, and that's why this all had to go to court, you see. A lot of money could be made by unscrupulous lawyers who wanted to make money off of these quick claim deeds. The saints had ownership of all the land down at the plaza, the Westport area, Westport Road, all the way up through Blue Ridge Road Boulevard. They didn't have the cutoff at that time. Right, right up to the temple. We owned that, but we were driven out. And Judge Phillips, he thought in his mind that if this went back to the true ownership, the RLDS people, other people could come and present a quick claim deed and have claim to all the lands at the plaza, Westport, etc. You know, we owe a great debt, brothers and sisters, to all those who have gone on before. That we may have an interest in this land. The French and Indian Osage Indians had a deed. The United States government had a deed. The true church, us, the Flournoy deed, the Parkridge deed, the Harris deed, the Poole deed, the Marie Johnson deed, eight in all that we know of. You know, Martin Harris, after his first wife died, he married uh, Brigham Young's niece by marriage. And she wanted to have claim on this property. She said, it's mine, and I will have it. Well, the Lord doesn't work that way, brothers and sisters. Judge Phillips had to sort all this out. And because of the doctrine of latches, the temple lot was awarded to the temple lot people. And you know what? It's okay. It's a good thing that we don't own it. It's a good thing that the LDS church don't own it because they wanted to put 24 temples in that area on that 63.45 acreage spot. There, there was a plot. You can, you can find it. Of 24 temples. And they always said, uh, well, we're commanded to build temples. Well, that's true. 
But we're commanded to build the holy temple, the temple in which our Lord and our Savior may return to us in this land. So here's the question. Who's going to build that temple? You are and I am. We're going to build that temple, brothers and sisters, in the coming days because the Lord can move faster than any of us ever thought. Things can happen and will happen at the right moment when he sees fit to the time when we're ready spiritually to build this holy and sacred temple. We talked in class this morning. It's been such a good class over the last month or two or three that Joe's been teaching. It's just been so wonderful. But the Lord said, Who is wise shall learn my secret. Now, I'm not wise, but I know the secret. That secret is returning good for ill. Brothers and sisters, that's the secret. Who is wise shall learn my secret. Whoso trusteth shall understand. Wisdom with obedience walketh. Faith with victory hand in hand. Ishmael shall not Isaac fetter, nor my temple David build. Uzzah's hand, my ark approaching, with, will be with disaster filled. We talk about that in class this morning. All Uzzah wanted to do was steady the ark. That's all. Just wanted to give a helping hand. But the law had been given. Don't touch the ark. I can just hear Uzzah saying, well, I've just, I just wanted to help. Don't touch the ark. That's how, that's how these laws and ordinances work, brothers and sisters. That God speaks and we obey. My ways are not your ways, the Lord continued, but know ye, I am God, nor speak in vain. Be not slow, my call to answer. Few the moments that remain. Not by skill or wisdom human, not by wealth of carnal lore, but with panoply from heaven seek ye conquest evermore. You see, the Lord wants a people who's going to obey him and and do the things that he wants us to do. And we also have the promises in in Scripture from section 94. If you want to follow along, I'll read from paragraph 4. And inasmuch as my people build an house unto me in the name of the Lord and do not suffer any unclean thing to come into it, that it be not defiled, my glory shall rest upon it. Yea, my presence shall be there, for I will come into it. And all the pure in heart that shall come into it shall see God. But if it be defiled, I will not come into it. And my glory shall not be there, for I will not come into unholy temples. The Lord can do many things, but I am sure glad. That he doesn't have to come to 24 temples upon that property. And you won't know which one he's at. You want to go to the temple that's going to be builded on that little spot of ground. The Lord will endow his priesthood from that temple, brothers and sisters. And I know we can be endowed every day of our life. We can be. We are, if we choose to be. But this is a different endowment, brothers and sisters, that's going to come from the temple, from the mouth of the Lord. The Lord will teach us 
of his ways. And we'll know of the things that we ought to do. He's going to teach us. He's going to endow us that we may proclaim to the world this gospel. The gospel that our Lord and our Redeemer gave his life for. We're going to declare it that all that we'll hear may hear. Oh, it can take a book to explain all the subject matters and explore all the subject matters of why a temple should be built. Let it suffice to say how true it is that the purpose of the Zion temple is for the salvation of Zion. Now turn to section 90 just for a moment. We'll read from the first paragraph. Verily thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins, number one, and cometh unto me, and calleth on my name, and obeyeth my voice, and keepeth my commandments, shall see my face, and know that I am, and that I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. This is the endowment that we're talking about here. The endowment that Jesus Christ will come to his temple, endow this priesthood, that the people can understand God's will. Not that they can't understand it by themselves. The Lord said, Ask and ye shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But the greater message of import is coming through this endowment that we speak of. Now, the Kirtland Temple was finished in 1836. At that time, the school of the prophets was housed in the temple. During this period, a marvelous endowment was poured out upon the brethren over a period of time. Joseph recorded concerning some of these experiences the visions of heaven were open to them also. Some of them saw the face of the Savior, and others were ministered unto by holy angels. And the spirit of prophecy and revelation were poured out in mighty prayer, and loud hosannas and glory to God in the highest saluted the heavens. And as you recall from your church history, some of those loud hosannas came from babies. This is the kind of endowment we're talking about here. That's in Church History, Volume 2. Also the gift of tongues fell upon us in mighty power, Joseph continued. Angels mingled their voices with ours while their presence was in our midst. Church History, Volume 2, page 18. Now, how close do you want to be to the Lord? That's a fair question. You can only answer that. Only you can answer that, brothers and sisters. Do you want to be just close to Him that you come once a week or a couple of times a week? Or do you really want to become close to him and get to know him and let him endow you with power, with authority of the Holy Ghost? He can endow you and will. The Lord wants to dwell with his children. That can only be done to the degree that we and he want in the temple that we may come to an understanding of our agreement that we made with him in the eternal world before you were born. It says in section 90, you were in the beginning. Man was in the beginning. I talked to a friend, it's been seven or eight years ago now probably, and we were talking about this thing and, and so forth about Eternity. And I made the comment that uh, 
The Lord said, To some I will say, Come and follow me. But ye sinners, stay and sleep for a thousand years. Isn't that a sobering thought? And he said to me, We're already sleeping. We're sleeping now. And I've thought about that over the years. In essence, we are. And why will they sleep? Because they walk in darkness at noonday, you see. Don't be caught walking in darkness at noonday, brothers and sisters. Let the Lord endow you with the light of his glory. It's a personal relationship that he wants with you and with me. Now. Because the temple is not built yet. The temple is not built yet. But brothers and sisters, that day will come, and I look forward to that day. We've talked about the temple, the sanctuary, etc. Tabernacle, which means abiding place in Greek. The temple as the headquarters of Zion. Before I go any further, I just have a few more things to say. Brother Tommy Thomas, 70 Tommy Thomas, told us one day that he had an experience at the Kirtland Temple. He was a guide there, if you remember. For many years he lived there and his mom lived there. If you didn't meet his mom, you missed out. You just missed out. She was quite something. Tommy was uh, locking the door to the temple. That particular tour had been given. Time was up. The people went out. And Tommy was locking the door, as I say, and he turned around. And there was a man standing there. This man said, Do you know who I am? Tommy said, I know who you are. It was the old boy. And this man said, There's nothing more I can do here. I'm going to independence. And he came to independence. You see, His headquarters is here too, brothers and sisters. His headquarters are here. If the true church's headquarters are here. The temple shall be Christ's place of residence when he says, Mine house. When Zion is fully established and when he comes To the holy city, the Lord made it very plain that a temple is a place for him to dwell. When he told Ezekiel about a temple which is to be built in the latter days, the prophet testified, and I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, the temple. And he said unto me, Son of man, the temple is the place of my throne. And the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel. It is interesting that even Protestant authorities, etc., are friends of the Reformation movement, I'll say it that way, describe that uh, temple that Ezekiel saw in a vision. It's obvious that it is the Zion temple. They didn't know that that's what they were talking about in America. The Westminster Dictionary of the Bible declares, In this vision, the temple that Ezekiel had known so well in his younger days is quite changed in appearance. Instead of the little hill that he referred to, the small nation of Zion, behold, a high mountain. Great nation, in other words, crowned by the buildings of a new and grander sanctuary. He's talking about the 
temple, brothers and sisters. You know, I love the Lord, but that's not good enough. You love the Lord. Frankly, that's not good enough. Brothers and sisters, we have to obey these laws and these ordinances in the church that our Lord may bring to fruition this Zion that we talk about and that we love so much to sing about. And if you go home this afternoon, you can look at uh, hymn 207, Glorious Things Are a Son of Zion. W.W. Phelps wrote that. And our committees have changed the words in that. You know, we have to have our committees, don't we? In the hymn book it says, They shall know as they are known. And every time there's the word they, this committee changed the words from we to they. We shall know as we are known. It's not some far off distant future that we can pray for those people about. It is today, brothers and sisters. It's today. How is this going to be accomplished? By you holding fast to the rod of iron. I'll close with this. I overheard a conversation about five years ago. And I presented it then. I want you to consider it again today. There was a meeting of late called by the president of the statutes, elected by all the statutes of God. His opening statement was sobering. He said to all that were gathered, he said the time has come that all who have not adhered to our edicts and not given place in their hearts, For the word of God must suffer the distress of their plight. Be it known to all who gather here, he said, that your efforts have been from the beginning. And that men and women through the ages have sought to align themselves for a time. It appears, however, that when called upon to promote righteousness, Their misplaced allegiance has left them desolate. They have forgotten their sacred vows and have accepted deluded decrees to such a degree that we can hardly be recognized as we were designed from the beginning. The prince of this world has sought to imitate us and has been successful in laying his snares and has captured the more part of God's people because they have failed to recognize the master's voice. They have allowed themselves to be persuaded by the innovations of men and have given place in their souls to be satisfied with a small portion of the study of our proclamations and have depended upon what they regard as the marvelous inventions of their day. If only they knew and realized that we are solely designed to give exceeding great joy To them, if they learn of our ways, their way of life would be easier and more meaningful. Nevertheless, we shall stand and endure. The signs of the time are our testimony. May I remind you to be faithful to your oath that you made with your creator creator the day you accepted this mandate from heaven, that God's people... In all generations shall live by every word 
that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God or suffer the consequences of their misplaced faith. You see, the law is given. There is a punishment affixed to that law so that we have no excuse, brothers and sisters. We're going to sing a hymn now. It's a very short hymn. You may be getting ready for it because it doesn't last very long. There's just one verse. But listen to those words that you're going to sing to your Lord. Think about it. What you're going to be singing just now with this new hymn, with this hymn right now. We have been blessed. A foundation has been laid. Let us turn our hymnals to hymn number 87. I remember singing this hymn all the time when I was a youth. I love this hymn. It reminds me of my family, my grandfather. And every time I hear it, I know I'm in the house of the Lord. Hymn number 87. Sabbath day in this house where we come to worship Thee, that we have a responsibility to Thee and to Thy kingdom. And we thank Thee for the message from Sunday school and from our brother Russell and his call to worship and brother Steve and his message to us this hour, that this sign falls upon us to do our part. So as we leave this house, dear Father, I would humbly pray that we might always remember when Thou calls that we will say, Here am I, send me. And I would pray for Thy benediction upon this service and watch over Thy people this day. And we ask it in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.